Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm really excited to be speaking to Tad Peelin. Tad's in Gilbert, Arizona. He's a co-owner at Joe's Farm Grill and Joe's Grill Barbecue and has been uh, very kind to always be helpful uh, with everything that we've worked on. So he was he was part of our book, Restaurant Owners Uncorked. He's been part of the video series, has always uh, been one of the folks that were early on in this stuff. So uh, thanks, Tad, for doing this. And, um, you know, Tad's been at this for, what's it been, since about 1998 is when you, you jumped into the restaurant business. Is that right? I jumped back into the restaurant business. I'm an old guy, so I jumped back into the restaurant business in 1998. I actually jumped into the restaurant business uh, when I was 14 years old, so that would have been about 1977 as a uh, dishwasher in Scottsdale, Arizona. Gotcha. And then so back into it in 98, and you guys opened Joe's Real Barbecue uh, and uh, and Joe's Farm Grill, and you have been – you built basically you built uh what you all would call institutions and I think it's a great term. I've been there, I've visited. They really are just special places and you've taken a long view when you built these to have built a business that would be around for, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. I know that was one of the things that you thought about early on. So talk a little bit about why that was a part of your planning process and how that helped you plan, you know, for your success. Sure. Um, you know, I think we uh, we attempt to be humble, um, and so it was a bit disarming to think before we even opened um, that the goal in itself was to create an iconic institution uh, in a town that didn't necessarily have a lot of those, if any of those. And so, um, you know, we struggled with whether that was, was even the right thing to do. But um, certainly you want to take the resources given you and do the best possible job, and that's that was a goal. And uh, as we looked across the country at uh, places that had done well over the years, they'd become iconic. They'd become institutions. And we, you know, there has to be a measuring stick for that. What does that look like? Who determines whether you're an institution? Who? And so it's things like do – people bring in out-of-town guests? Do people, are they coming to your places because they're celebrating an anniversary or celebrating a birthday? Um, are they coming in large numbers from places other than your zip code? And uh, so, you know, we we endeavored to do that, and it it changes your focus a bit from when that's not your goal. Uh, and by that, I mean you, you build a place that, A, you own the dirt, and so you know nobody's going to be you know not renewing your lease after 36 months. Um, you not only own the dirt, but you, you put into the place things that will withstand the test of time. You know, we're in our 18th year at uh, Joe's World Barbecue, downtown Gilbert, and we've you know, by and large, we have very, very many of the same things we open with in, a, in, a, in terms of even some hardware, some tables and chairs and flooring. Uh, it looks very much like it did the day we opened, you know, in January of 1998. So, yeah, it did. It, it, uh, it captured. We, we really were endeavoring to do that. And so you have to literally build your place with that in mind. And then you have to, I mean, there, there's, there's, in that kind of situation, which may be different from a concept where you want to open one and try it and then maybe have three or five or ten or however many one day, sure. you've got to build something where, I 
guess like the single unit economics have to be really good. So there's there's just I would imagine there's just a lot of um it's a lot more upfront investment, a lot more planning to make sure you get it right. Is that fair? Oh, that's very fair. And we I mean, you you've hit the nail on the head when we wanted to have just one Joe's Real Barbecue and just one Joe's Farm Grill, and yet we wanted those to be places that gave a good number of people uh, a good living. Um, there has to be – you can't build a, a 24-seat restaurant, and the economics of that just don't don't work out. So instead, you know, we – we built 140 indoor seats, and then we expanded to have another 100 that were air-conditioned and heated at the barbecue, and then we have a park area that has another 200. And so eventually over time, and you don't necessarily have all the resources to make all those things happen on day one, but within pretty short time frame, we were able to seat more than 300 people, and that's how you are able – you know, we have 14-day parts. We don't do breakfast. We do lunch and dinner. We have 14-day parts, and we are attempting to give 60 to 70 people uh, a really good living with benefits and 401k matching and that type of thing. And so when it came time to open uh, a second restaurant, that was Joe's Farm Grill, we had to do that same thing. We had to put that hat on again where we, we talked about number of seats and air-conditioned seats. And, you know, Arizona, that's, you know, we – you can't be 100% all fresco in in Gilbert, Arizona, when it's going to be 112 degrees out. So, uh, and in fact, you know, we opened in 2006 at Joe's Farm Grill, and we're still grappling with those issues and still trying to um, provide our customers even more air conditioned and heated seats. Wow. So then you, um, okay. So then for the barbecue, which is, uh, so how many folks do you see now, or can you see? Well, let's see, one forty two forty. We're we're north of three hundred. It's it's a difficult number to put a put a finite number on because we you can have an eight foot picnic table in a park that might seat six people, it might seat ten people. But uh, as a rule, we have about one hundred and forty seats in the main dining room. We have another hundred seats in uh, in an air conditioned heated patio, and we have a very large park area that seats anywhere from another one hundred to another one hundred and forty. And so you and and so I've been there, and the place. It's amazing the operation, the number of people that go through there, and there's this long line, and you think, gosh, it's going to take forever, but you get people through there quickly. Your food is really good. Your service is really good. It's a large building, so you had a big investment in the building, uh, and into your, you know, just getting this concept going. There had, to, uh, there must have been times where you were thinking, you know, are we, are we going to get this right? Or, I mean, were there times where you were, I'm sure you were confident, but where you were just kind of laid awake at night wondering if this was going to all work or were there nights where you just, you know, were just kind of questioning yourself? Because I think that's something that a lot of people go through that are just getting into the business. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I, I would think, see, we, we went about it um, with, uh, we predetermined, I, I have two business partners and uh, wouldn't, you know, I mean, the skill set of the three of us combined is is really what has, uh, you know, resulted in in a couple successful places. And we we endeavored from day one to say no debt. We're not leasing anything. We're not renting anything. We we will have no debt if we can't afford it. Um, then we won't have it. And so, 
you know, in some regards, that gives you more peace of mind because you know you're not servicing debt. In some regards, um, there's probably more uh, angst, you know, associated with that. And, you know, in my case, uh, I had a wonderful career uh, with American Airlines and uh, got a phone call to partner, go back into the restaurant business and partner with my brother and uh, Joe. And, you know, it, you start talking about what that costs, literally, and um, the investment that it was going to take to make this happen without debt. And um, certainly it's, uh, you know, it can be nerve-wracking, but we were very blessed, and, you know, much of that angst went away literally uh, day one. I mean, we, we opened on uh, on a Tuesday strong, and uh, by that Saturday, uh, we literally were doing more than a 1,000 covers a day. Um, and we were, you know, our hands were bloody and we were working 85-hour weeks. But um, to see the number of people who were coming out to see this new concept was, uh, it made it made it all worth it. And, you know, we, we understand that that's not the norm. We understand that not everybody sees a return on investment, for instance, as quickly as we did. Um, but it is worth it. And, it, you know, we... Not everyone is in a position to do this, uh, but, you know, to the extent that you can not go into Hawk, that you can not borrow certainly all the money uh, to make these things happen, um, it'll give you more peace of mind, I think. So you have a a really interesting um, story because you were at American Airlines for a while. You were successful there, so there you are in corporate America, and now you go and you, you are a business owner a restaurant owner, and, you know, you came into it uh, on the ground floor and you built something really amazing. So, but, you know, it's interesting because you did that uh, in the late 90s, and now, you know, there are a lot more people, I think, today. Um, I mean, I'm 40, and I have friends that are in a situation where, you, you, you know, you've been in corporate America for 15 or 20 years, and you start to think, you know, it used to be that, like, that was a safe path, and, um, you know, you just stay there and you retire and everything's great. But now I feel like there's a lot more situations where, um, you know, people become what you would call, you know, in corporate speak, like expensive assets. And then, um, you know, as corporate America is, you know, a company decides to cut back, then you become expendable, you're, you're expensive, and maybe you are, you know, 40 or 45 years old with some kids and a mortgage and, you know, you've, you've lost your job or whatever. So I, I, there's a lot more people, I think, now that are looking into, you know, leaving that world and starting something. And certainly the, the restaurant business is an attractive way to go about it. Um, but that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be a lot of skills that you brought over from corporate America that have helped you be successful uh, in this business? Well, I'd like to think that's true. I think in our case, you know, we have uh, three of us um, that that partnered, and then we hired a really good team around us with the skill set, you know, that we didn't have in terms of operations and so forth. Um, but clearly, yes, you know, I, I ended up, I had the pleasure of, uh, uh, spending 17 years with American Airlines, and I had the pleasure of, you know, retiring at a relatively early age, and um, still have some of, you know, those benefits. In fact, uh, this weekend I got to see uh, my children in, you know, Texas and Tennessee, and it didn't cost me three arms and a leg because I, I still have, you know, travel benefits with American Airlines. So certainly all of that time, you know, uh, is still serving me well, and I, I was very pleased to to have been in corporate America as long as I was, and. I 
it was interesting because so many of the things you do in a large corporate setting, you know, we had 100 and I think 7,000 people uh, was probably the largest number while I was on payroll in American. And you had entire departments that were dedicated to handling things like payroll and things like benefits. And I am the payroll department. I am mm. the benefit department. I am I am all of those things. And yet I was, you know, qualified to do that because I certainly had the background and I had dealt with it on a huge macro level. So to deal with, you know, 401k plan when you have 65 employees at one restaurant and 45 at another, um, it's not easy, but it's it's a very doable thing. It's a very manageable thing. And at least I had the mindset. Uh, I had seen how it was done well in corporate America and I was seeing how systems play such an important role and I was able to take that and and employ it on a much smaller scale um, with perhaps, you know, a bit of personalization that actually makes it even better. You know, you're not calling an 800 number when you want to, you know, you left my company two years ago and you want to roll your 401k over into your IRA or into your new employer's 401k, you call TAD and uh, TAD will make that happen for you. So it was uh, it was great that I got to spend all that time, and I got to see, you know, the, the computer systems, as you can imagine. We literally had the largest reservation system in the world uh, at American Airlines. And so I, I gleaned from all of that time I spent, um, you know, in the IT world and everything else at American, uh, and I'm able to put that to use on a much smaller scale within these restaurants. So, yeah, it, it served me well. Do you um... – so you guys uh one of the things you've done I think really well and I'd love to get get some examples of this but you you don't necessarily always buy into conventional wisdom and so you've done things that maybe you you know are not not the way that the the, the books would tell you to do it um sure. or other folks would but but you've you've kind of had the confidence as a team to do things your way and and uh, to stick to that so why is that and and what are some examples of that Well I, I, let me give you an example, and then I'll I'll, I'll attempt to follow back around and, and tell you the why. But I'll give you a, a perfect example of what I think you're you're uh, getting at, and that would be our marketing budget. Okay, anybody who has operations the size of ours would tell you that their marketing budget needs to be X percent of revenues, and we're going to spend this much on print ad, and this much in social media, and this much TV, and so on and so forth. And you say, Tad, well, you know, how is your marketing budget? Um, how is that laid out over the course of a year? And you know, we're we're not normal people, and so we uh, my my entire marketing budget is spent in one day, and it's spent on food because what we do is rather than print ads and rather than these other relatively costly forms of uh, marketing. We open our doors the first Wednesday of every May, and we serve at Joe's Row Barbecue as many free meals as we can. And that number is often north of 6,000. We're, we're handing out a free meal that includes a sandwich with pork or chicken and beans and coleslaw and a drink. We're handing that out every six to seven seconds somebody's getting one. And that happens from the moment we open our doors to the moment we close our doors in May. And why would we do something like that? Well, A, we really love our customers. I mean, we call it Customer Appreciation Day because we love the fact that all these people come visit us so often and, you know, have been repeat customers for all these years. We do it because it's absolutely crazy. It defies 
you know, all common sense that anyone would attempt to, to pull this off. And the payoff is in marketing that we literally couldn't write a check for. Okay, mm-hmm. We get TV stations flying overhead because, as you can imagine, if you're serving more than 6,000 people, you have a very long line. And this line stretches around the building, down the block, over to another block, over to another street, and you get you know, literally helicopters, traffic helicopters overhead saying, look at what's going on downtown Gilbert, Arizona. And the number of people who see that and figure out there's this great restaurant down there for the first time is staggering. And so we, um, we've we done that for many, I think we're in year, wow, probably 16 or so of doing that. And uh, it's become something that's just huge. It's part of the town. It's one of the largest happenings in a town of 240,000 people is Joe's Row Barbecue's Customer Appreciation Day. Um, and is it costly? Absolutely. But again, what happens is all of the news outlets, all the social media, everybody is writing about this incredible event because it's incredible, not because they were paid by us yeah, to right. market to market for us. And so we believe it's even you couldn't get that type of advertising by writing a check. So um, you know that's probably the thing that comes to mind. Uh, and then we also, you know, we're not conventional when it comes to benefits and so forth either. We like to keep amping it up and 401k and paid birthday off and things of that nature. And then, you know, we do free birthday meals uh, for every person on their birthday. We give them 10 bucks to buy anything they want. And the numbers are pretty amazing. You know, at the barbecue alone, we'll do on any given busy day, more than 140 people who are celebrating their birthday come in and do it with us. So uh, we do a lot of crazy stuff like that that everyone tells us we really shouldn't and that uh, costs way too much money, but we we like the way it works. So for 16 years, you've kind of been saying, you know what, okay, we shouldn't, but we're going to do it anyway, and it works. And then, But the funny thing is, like, nobody else... I mean, do other or do other people do other restaurants around you try to replicate that or try or, you know mimic what you're doing? Or I mean, you've been doing it a long time now. They must you know people must realize this is a pretty effective tactic. You know, they don't, um, and I I think there's this huge fear factor, and I think yeah. that some of the large chains, for instance, have gone away from giving you something free on your birthday. Um, and I think people tend to look at what chains do and whatever they do or don't do, they'd like to follow suit. Um, I'm frankly, I'm a, I'm a bit surprised that more people don't do a customer giveaway. You know, the power of free is amazing. And when you give something away for free and you literally, there are no strings attached, it's very unusual in our society today. And um, we like to be unusual. We like to get people's attention. And uh, I think, you know, for the immediately foreseeable future, we're going to keep doing it. it. It does present issues. You know, there are safety issues, as you can imagine, with 6,000 people and the number of cars and, you know, <laughs> ne- needing to pay police to give, you know, traffic direction and so forth. There's only so much you can continue doing. So, you know, we never say never and we never say we're going to do it forever. But uh, so far, we've continued to think it's a great idea. But, I mean, you've got so you are confident in your quality of your food, you're confident in your quality of service and your team, so then it just becomes, you know, a great opportunity for your your customers to get something that's a nice 
gifts from you and then new people to come in and say, you know, hey, I've never been there, let me go try this. And you're you're kind of betting that you're going to do a good job and they're going to want to come back and the next time they're going to come back and they'll obviously pay you and maybe they bring friends and the next thing you know, you're you're generating more loyal customers. So it's a long play, long bet. It is a long bet, and you have to do the math and make sure it would work for you, you know, and you need to you need to know how many customer how many new customers would it take to pay for this in what amount of time. And, and you simplify your menu too, right? Like you have a, a set menu for that day, is that right? You're exactly right. I couldn't do it with a full menu. You yeah, know, I, okay. I I have nine meats and uh, seven homemade side dishes, and there's no way I could open that up and, and let people choose any of those. So we have two meats, and we have uh, everybody gets the same two homemade side dishes, and everybody grabs, you know, rather than a fountain drink or, or a bottled soda, everybody's getting a can of soda that, you know, is really easy to pick up and grab. So it is a simplified menu, you know, we, we – but we've always been very, very careful to not dilute, you know, the quality of what we're handing that person. We want it to be the exact same size, taste, feel, you know, sandwich and, and homemade side dish, same quantity that they're going to have when they come in tomorrow, the next day, and pay for that. So that that's always been very important to our to our philosophy for the free day. And then you also, so you mentioned the benefits. Talk a little bit more about that because you've been uh, very aggressive with those for quite some time. And those are, you know, I'm sure that gets just ever more and more expensive and healthcare costs are going up. And sure. um, so t- talk about that and why that's been important uh, and, and, you know, kind of how you approach that early on and then w- what your thoughts are as to what you've been doing, you know, through the years and how that's changed and how you see it changing going forward, if at all. Yeah, um, you know, we're going to keep doing that type of thing as long as we can. And, you know, when it's not safe or it doesn't make sense, we'll we'll stop it if, if that happens to be the case. But, you know, as it is, it's become that particular event, the, the, the Customer Appreciation Day, it's become a pretty cool thing in the community. And it's something that people understand. I'm not going to walk up and get something in two minutes and be done. There's a very long line here. I'm making an investment by getting in this line. And the really cool thing is that people understand it after all these years and they bring a blanket and they bring their children and they bring their neighbor and they make it a social event. And so it's become one of the biggest social events, you know, in a town of in a very large town. So um, we love that aspect of it. It's something that probably at the beginning we hadn't, you know, it was more of a marketing deal than it was uh, uh, understanding what it would mean to the community. So we've, you know, that's one of the reasons we've continued doing it as long as we have. Um, And we think, you know, all these other healthcare costs are, you know, to say that they're spiraling out of control is just an understatement. And to say that, you know, the, the, uh, Obamacare isn't impacting us is is crazy because it is and ultimately you know in our country if it continues down this path I mean we we have looked at huge percentage increases in our uh, medical care costs you know and providing insurance for all of our full timers and you know you can only sustain that so long and what happens is something's got to give and it doesn't appear as if it's going to be the cost of insurance. So at some point, all of us in our industry need to figure out if we're going to continue to provide insurance, um, where's the breaking point? Okay, How much is somebody willing to pay for a hamburger at Joe's Farm Grill in order to ensure that we can still give all of our full-timers, you know, what are you willing to pay? 
and that's kind of the age-old question, you know, how much of this is sustainable in the long term. So, you know, we were very blessed to continue to have long lines of folks show up at our places, and uh, we're continue to, we continue to be able to provide all those benefits and the matching on the 401K and so forth. And, um, you know, as long as the, the folks continue to come out and, and pay, you know, a good – the right amount of, you know, they believe they're getting a good value. We believe we're giving them a great value. And as long as that continues, then you've you've reached that happy place. Do you think that, um, so at both places, you have a relatively straightforward and simple menu. And you have, you know, the same foods now you probably have had for a long time, but you just do them well every day, day after day. Is, is, it, is simplicity an important part of why you all are successful, do you think? It is probably even more so at the barbecue where our menu looks very much like it did on opening day uh, with a few tweaks here and there. And there's um, the other concept, you know, for your listeners who who don't, uh, you know, haven't been to Gilbert, Arizona, the other concept is uh, Joe's Farm Grill where we have a working organic farm on the property. We try and work in as much produce and so forth from the farm every day as possible. And so you're going to need, just because of what you're doing and the need to bring what's grown here to plates, you know, the farm-to-fork thing requires knowing what's in the farm and so and, and adapting your menu accordingly. So there's bound to be, just because of the concept difference, there's bound to be more complexity there. But nonetheless, we still serve the same general categories. We still serve burgers and sandwiches and salads um, and some great grilled pizzas and so forth, just like we did on day one. So, yes, simplicity has really helped us at both places. What would you um, – one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I'll let you go, but the um, – you, I know you, you all talk to a lot of um, – you know, you mentor folks, and uh, you, you have a lot of people come to you for advice. What – what do you tell people, Tad, that, that say, "Look, okay, I don't have the, I can't, I can't make the investment to to buy my building <laughs> and my dirt, sure, uh, but I think I have a good concept, and here's what mm-hmm. I want to do, and I want to be around a long time." Like, what's, what are some of the things that you know for folks that do have that debt service that that you you think are really important uh, for them to focus on early on, and as they're building out the concept and the plan for the business, what are the things that you think are really important to to, to focus on and to make sure they're getting right? Sure. Um, and that'll be the case more often than not, I think. And so the point is well taken, and, and I think people need to go in with their eyes wide open. And I think in order to make that happen, people need to be willing. And it's interesting because you, you, know, you brought up folks like myself who are in the corporate world who you know, either you're, you're laid off or you, be, you, know, you become a, an entrepreneur later in life or you just get a creative you know, bug in, in your bonnet and you want to go do something different. Um, you really need to know what it is you're going to be doing every day, and you need to go do that for a while, and you need to go watch people who do that for a while, and you need to read books, and you need to watch videos, and you need to get into restaurants, and you need to be willing for some period of time. You know, If you want to open an ice cream place and you've never made ice cream and you've never worked in a restaurant, that's going to be a very difficult life for you because it's just entirely different than what you're you're coming from a nine to five you know where uh the door hit you in the butt at five five ten in the afternoon 
and now you might be working, you know, for some period of time, very long hours and doing things that are you're not accustomed to. And I always recommend, you know, if somebody wants to open an ice cream place, you need to go find the ice cream place that looks the closest to the one that you want to open. And you need to go live there. And you need to sit there and you need to do customer counts. And you need to know how many people are going in that building. And you need to pencil that and say, hmm, 400 people went in there today. Well, what did they spend? Well, look at the cash register. You can tell. You have an idea. Look at your receipt. And you need you need to pencil that and say, hmm. And then, obviously, you don't have a sense for their you know, total bottom line, but you can have a better sense if you'll spend some time. And then you need to go work at those places. And you need to go, and whether it's on a part-time or a full-time basis, you need to walk up to the owner of that place that does it really, really well and say, I am so impressed with what you're doing. And I want you to know that I'd like to open a place that came even close to this, but it's 50 miles from here. I'm not going to be your competitor. And would you pour into me? Would you spend six months of your life pouring into me if I work here for free or if you pay me you know, some modicum of an hourly wage to just come and apprentice alongside you and make that part of your investment? Okay, You may be used to making a very good living, and you'd like to make a good living in the restaurant industry, and that's all awesome and good. Well, maybe you're going to need to take a short-term pay cut and go work for somebody else for peanuts in order to learn how to do it really, really well. And you might learn in the process that that's not what you want to do. And you might refine your you know, your ideas and so forth to the point that you're going to make more money in the long run by having invested. So I, if people have never done what it is they say they want to do, I always wonder how they think they're going to get there if they haven't invested hours, if not months, if not years, into going and looking at those places across the country or across their own town that are already doing it well. Yeah, and maybe the um, it's a great point because you think, well, I can't afford to, you know, so I'm leaving my corporate job or whatever, and I, I can't afford to take six months or nine months or a year or whatever mm-hmm. making some minimal salary figuring this out. But then the flip side of that coin, isn't it, that if you don't, you're going to cost yourself a whole lot more money over the long run when you get into this and you fail or you realize, you know, after you've poured all this money into this and taken on a lot of debt that, you know, you you don't know what you're doing and, and you're making, you know, you haven't made the right decision or you've come up with a concept that doesn't work or whatever. So it's like, a, a, a again, it's a long bet. It's a, it's a you know, it's a short-term uh, big picture. It's a short-term cost to you, but the benefits you gain from that are, are just huge with helping you either learn, A, this is how I what I've learned so that I can increase my chances of success, or B, hey, you know what, I've learned that this is probably actually not what I want to do, which is great because now you've rolled that off and you've cost, you know, you've, you've kept yourself from making a big, really expensive uh, bet on yourself and, and, and a concept that, you know, may have never actually even worked out. Absolutely. The long view is always going to benefit you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it's incredible advice, and it's something that if people really think through it, it's such a smart thing to do, but so many people just kind of go, well, here's what I want to do, and they jump in, and then they learn the hard way. This is a great way to learn, you know, a much easier way. Maybe a little bit more patience required, but Mm -hmm. then better chances of uh, getting it right, um, you know, one way or the other. I agree. That's awesome. Well, Tad, hey, Tad, thank you so, so much. Um, I always love talking to you, and I'm always just inspired by what you all are doing, and uh, congratulations on 
all the years of success, and I know you told me before we start recording you all had a good 2014, so best to you for 2015, and I know anybody that listens to this will get uh, just a ton of value, so so thank you for taking the time to do it. It's a pleasure. I always look forward to talking with you. Have, a, have, a, have an awesome afternoon. All right, you too, Ted. Take care. Thanks. Thank you.